grab bag. A podcast that does games on Game Pass, and we talk about it every week. A grab bag of them. <laughs> I am the elder of the village for this episode. Andrew, with me, the disappointment of the clan, Keith. Hello. And the one who always has a personal relationship with Spikes, Liz. Hey, guys. And this week was... You were going to say my pick. Is, is it your pick? Nope. My pick. <laughs> oh. My pick. <laughs> this week was Keith's pick, which was The Messenger. Why did you question it? This is such a Keith pick, too. Yeah, this is wow. me pick all over it. It really is. <laughs> So this week was The Messenger by Sabotage Studio. The Messenger is a 2D platformer, Metroidvania-style type game that is very reminiscent of games from yesteryears, so it looks very much like Super Nintendo to Sega Genesis. But the general story is you are a ninja. Your village is one of the last few surviving villages in the world, and you're being attacked by demons, and your whole purpose is to deliver this message on top of the mountain to hopefully to save your village and save humanity. Go around. Keith, since this was your pick, is this a game or pass? I think this is definitely a game. It's definitely not Ori, if we're if we're rating it that <laughs> I way. I was wondering if you're doing that. <laughs> um, it's it is not Ori, but it's really fun and it's definitely a game. I I did get really frustrated with it at the end, and I'll get into that. But yeah, yeah, for me as well. This was also a definite game. I was really surprised when I first saw this. I was like, great, this is another Keith pick. This is probably going to be really weird and annoying. But for me, it turned me off how it looks so much like a Super Nintendo game. But this game has so much charm that by the end, I was loving The Messenger. For me, anytime there was dialogue, it was the best. <laughs> but I do have my issues, which we'll get into. For me, it's a, it's a game. I liked it. I had highs and lows, I think. From a new perspective, is a little bit difficult for me. And I will say, though, and obviously we'll get into this in a bit, but I like how they give you things at the perfect time. Like, I never felt like, oh, I can't wait till I get an ability where I can do this. I felt like everything kind of flowed. And so for me, that actually kind of made it a game. That's true. It doesn't tease you with a lot of, like, here's a wall that you can break at some point. There wasn't like a lot Hollow of those Knight, things. I felt like that all the time. So this game, it was very refreshing. So, starting off with the story, as I said, the story is essentially you are trying to deliver a message to try to hopefully save humanity. And at face value, the story seems very basic. But as you play more of the messenger, it really starts to give kind of twists and turns. And I was loving the story. Anytime there was any dialogue, cinematic, anything like that, those were always my favorite moments. I heard you laughing at the skeleton who you think he's this tall skeleton like monster and then he gets down on the ground and he's super short and you just lost it (laughs) (laughs) and then he's on stilts later right yes this game just the messenger just has so many like really cheeky moments that just really kind of throw you out of left field so when you first are playing this game you're kind of seeing it like i said it looks like you know super nintendo really basic but then the characters are just so hilarious and the dialogue is so clever like, there's just a ton of puns. There's a ton of clever stories. I, it, it actually had me laughing out loud a good amount of times. And the shopkeeper, for me, he made the game fun. I think if the shopkeeper wasn't there, I wouldn't have been as interested. But he's kind of, like, helping you along. But I was also kind of snarky. And I was really curious. Did you guys have a favorite story that he said? Because every, not every time you go to him. But pretty frequently, he has a story that he can share with you. Did you guys really like any of them? 
trying to think. There were so many of them that were so good. Yeah. I like some were just sad. The uh, what was it? There, the one that stood out to me was the werewolf. Where you, about the guy who goes out hunting werewolves with his wife, and then they get lost with each other, and then, then yeah. he finds out his wife was the werewolf. Oh, the messenger ruins the story, and the shopkeeper <laughs> just gets really mad at you. I, I well, love that one. Well, even when he goes and he like asks him for any ideas for a title or whatever, and he's like, uh, I don't know, the werewolf bride, and he goes, Great, that's that's excellent. Really? No, it's terrible. You give the whole story away. You're like it's just the dialogue is so much fun. Like, I spend so much time in the shop, more than I would normally in a game like this. What are you, Andrew? It is, it is hard to say, because for me, it wasn't so much just one story. It's just any of the dialogue with him. It's really kind of hard to pin. There was one story that actually was generally kind of depressing. The and frozen it, one? No, there was one about a boy who's trapped in a well. And it's very much a story talking about the developers of this game and how they had this vision and there was like a select few people that encouraged them to make this game in which while he's telling this story like there's pop-ups coming up on your screen thanking like specific people that apparently were influences to the creators lives and the shopkeeper just ends the story you know you think that they live happily ever after and they get rich and famous and have this super popular game but sadly not all stories are happy endings and it was like really kind of sad and depressing. And I was like, man, where did this come from? From like the entire time the shopkeeper was giving you these funny stories, he did this one that really kind of hurt. It's like, man, sad. Yeah, that one that the guy ends up finding his parents frozen and yeah. aged that they were younger than him, that one was really sad. I think it was the first one that he said, I, I could be wrong about that, but I thought it was really interesting where there's a servant. And he can't read, so he gets fired. He opens up a bunch of tea houses because he wants to decompress after hearing this bad news. And when he finds out there aren't any, he opens a ton up and he becomes a millionaire. And the guy working for him, I think it was an accountant, said, if you are a millionaire and you can't read, imagine where you'd be if you could read. And he said, I'd be a servant. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. It was very inspirational at times even. But I, I, as far as the dialogue with the shopkeeper too, did you push your buttons with the uh, with the cabinet? Oh, did so many go, times. Did you go all the way with it? Yes. Did Cracked you notice there up. was a couple times you were supposed to do it? Uh. I don't know if you got far enough, Keith, but there's actually one point where the shopkeeper is not in the shop. Yes. And I you try to go to the cabinet and do it all over again. It does a whole other set of dialogue tree that is really funny. Oh, I didn't push my luck on that one, but I know what time you're talking about. Wait. So what's what's in there? <laughs> you don't have to you can edit this out leave them hanging i i mean i well you find out of only about halfway through the game it's not a huge spoiler it's not but last time i tried to tell you a spoiler liz you ruined it for everyone anyway so mean <laughs> fine i'll just wait until after fine what, what i loved about the cabinet the... yeah robes no it's a cabinet that was the whole reveal he goes what did you think That's was mean. gonna be in there it's just a cabinet it's not ordered from wayfair we can confirm that <laughs> But see, yeah, see, what I loved about it too is that, as a as a punishment to you, that it gives you unskippable dialogue. You have to sit and let it scroll every little bit of text when he gets mad enough at you to just blab, and it's and it's a good three minutes of text that. Three minutes. It's there. a good ten minutes. It's it's really long. You <laughs> have to sit your so controller fun. down and just kind of watch. 
Did you guys think that there were enough abilities that you got from him? Because I, the first three, I will say that I did not get very far because I just died all the time. And so I only had like the first tree. I'm, I'm assuming there's more. Yes. Is there enough abilities? No. Because you said at one point, you're like, I don't need any more money. Well, okay. So once again, this is another very funny thing this game does. It's It does a lot of fourth wall breaking. So not to get too far ahead, but there is DLC with the game. And in the DLC, the shopkeeper makes a joke about it saying... There's a sink all of a sudden in a shop, and you go up to it, and the shopkeeper goes, hey, people were complaining about that. There wasn't enough abilities, and after a while, you don't have anything to spend money on. So we installed this money sink where <laughs> you can dump your money. and But, of course, the money sink is clogged and broken, so you have to find the money wrench in order to fix the money sink. And it's just it's just really clever. But uh, I thought with the fourth wall breaking, some games do it, and it's annoying or it's not done well. But I thought it was good with this game. I actually enjoyed it. It's really cheeky. But we're kind of getting a little off track. As much as we love The Shopkeeper, what did you guys think overall of the story? Did the story intrigue you at all? I more just cared about The Shopkeeper. <laughs> but I will say I was interested to see where it would end up. I thought that, and I don't know if this is true or not, I thought that at the end it would be kind of anticlimactic and they would make a joke about it. So for me, I didn't really care about the ending that much. What about you, Keith? Well, I mean, well, so I I guess I don't know what ending you're talking about because I feel like there's kind of two. Like, you kind of beat the game and then you sort of just, that's when it becomes Metroidvania. So Liz saw me play and she saw both. She saw when the quote-unquote first ending happens where it's actually the halfway point of the game. She saw that and she actually saw the actual finale. So Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen the ending ending, but... I I kind of knew where it was going. I think partially because you had already told me, but just the way the game was playing out, I knew there was points I was definitely going to have to come back to. So I just knew it was going to open up, and I don't know. That's sort of just how these platformer games work. So I, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't even necessarily the halfway point. I feel it was like the quarter mark of the game. Like once you have to start going back, it becomes so much bigger. And that's what I liked about it is that the story or the way that they progressed the story allowed the game to become way more replayable and way bigger. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I will will say, I didn't think this game was going to open up the way it did. So this is why I first was turned off by it. I thought it was very much just going to be like, hey, this is a fun game to reminiscent of like games from yesteryear and like your Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. I thought it was just going you are traveling from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen, and that's it. That's the entire game. But at the halfway point is when it does open up, and it actually becomes like Ori, and you're getting new abilities, and you're climbing areas, and you're visiting new, you're visiting past areas that are becoming more new because of these new abilities you have. So I was really impressed with it. So I did it. I also figured out too, Keith, that it actually would eventually open up because I looked through the achievements, and the achievements kind of spoiled it a little bit for me. So... This is one time I actually wish the game maybe had some more secret achievements. But yeah, one of them said, like, I wish I liked the original ending better or something like that. I had a feeling that the game was going to kind of do a twist, and it did. But that's another thing that really impresses me with the gameplay of this game is it keeps opening up and adding kind of these new mechanics or new mini games, and it keeps it from feeling stale. The only thing that I really missed with the game... It's a double jump. And I know that it's not necessary. I can't tell you how bad I was at this game. You have this, what is it called? The quibble? Uh, the floating guy that steals your money? Yeah. 
Corbel, yeah. I think, is his Something name. Something with a Q, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think Keith's right. Little demon guy. And when you die, he starts taking your money, and then when he gets bored or he gets enough coins or whatever, he goes away. And one of the first abilities that I wanted to get was that it would half the time that I had him because I just died all the time. But I only got to the point where you had the climbing claws, the shuriken, which is your throwing thing, right? Yep. Your range attack. The wingsuit and the rope dart. And That's I really thought it. those abilities were all you needed. Except for, like I said, I only wanted the double jump because I was so bad at falling when I'm, you know, swinging my sword. Yeah, I think the only thing you're, that <clears throat> you're missing, and I don't think I ever got, what was it, like the light foot tabby or something? Yeah, you get that like really close to the end of the game. I actually, actually thought yeah, that ability was a little misused. I felt like they Is it like a dash, basically? No, it essentially lets you run on water or lava, but you have to constantly be moving. If you stop at all, you will sink to the ground. So there's some areas that have spikes, but just enough water where you can essentially kind of run over the spikes and not get hurt. But they only used it for like, I don't know, the last half hour of the game. And I thought it was a cool ability. They just didn't use it much. Yeah, I was definitely looking for it at a couple different points, but I didn't really know what it did. And it makes sense now where I would have used it or where I can see I, I was missing it. But there's a lot of points, too. I felt like if you just had enough health, you could sort of just stumble your way across some spikes and do it kind of... Yeah, I, I that was my strategy in some areas. <laughs> oh, for sure. Some of those, some of them... So this is where it wasn't Ori. Some of the platforming in this was atrocious. I get why they wanted to do the cloud walk thing, but I agree with Liz. Just give me a double jump, like a proper double jump. Um, it made some of the platforming atrocious, I think. There was one part where I kept dying, and sometimes it would give me extra health, and sometimes it would just give me coins. And I think it was like every third I would get the extra health, and I really, really needed it. So I thought it was interesting that they actually kind of switched up what you got sometimes. Like you said, every third. How many times did you die in this spot? I can't... There are some parts I cannot tell you. And I have said this so many times. I get no satisfaction when I die 20 times and then I accomplish something. I'm just like, wow, that took me a long time. I don't feel like I achieved anything. And I will say, uh, with the bosses, there was one that I really hated that I kept dying at. For the most part, I really love the bosses. I know, Andrew, you did too. Oh, yeah. I really, really, really... Really liked the boss fights. You got excited. I did. I thought the boss fights were a lot of fun. And I think the reason why they were so fun, they were relatively simple. Like, they didn't have too many mechanics. They weren't throwing something completely out of left field. Everything was well telegraphed so you could figure out what they were going to do. But I think the reason why I love the boss fights is because of the skill and traversal you have in this game. I know you guys are complaining that you don't have a double jump. I wouldn't mind it, but I did love the cloud jump that they give you in this game. Essentially, the way the mechanic works is if you jump in the air and you swing your sword and you hit something, whether it's a projectile, a lantern, or like some a rock falling down, you actually can do another jump. And you can actually keep chaining it, so you can basically jump indefinitely as long as you're hitting something. And I thought this made a really interesting mechanic, especially when it came to boss fights. Because the boss fights sometimes would like cover the floor in something that would damage you, but you'd have to try to find a way to juggle your jumps like bouncing off certain enemies that are in the arena. So it made this really fun boss dance, as you know, some people like to describe it as. I will agree with that. That was definitely the best part of the bosses. And it was funny because, yeah, there were some of them where I looked up a video of someone beating it because I, I don't know, after my third try, I just, I, it's like, I've got to be missing something. There's got to be something I'm supposed to do. 
And no, I just realized I hadn't tried to actually jump over the thing I kept getting hit by. And it was just as simple as that. And so they just weren't overly complicated, but they were just difficult enough to feel like they were, it wasn't just a thing you were doing. It made me feel stupid. I was like, I know exactly what I have to do. Why can't I do it? (laughs) So for me, I just thought it was, and looking at like Andrew play, I could see why he wouldn't want a double jump. He doesn't need it. Cause I mean, you made it look so easy. And then I would try to, you actually try to teach me and it just, I, my mind doesn't work that way. Like what I was thinking wasn't translating to like the movements of my hands. It was weird. Yeah. I see. I, I'm the same way. And this is the same reason I struggle in first person shooters is my Twitch reaction skills. I end up hitting wrong buttons a lot. So there'd be times I'd be trying to chain my jumps across, you know, some monsters that are flying and I'd end up throwing a shuriken and killing all of them and... I would lose my whole entire cloud walk and die. So the part I got really stuck on is was exploring late in the game. I went to the cloud ruins and assuming I was going the right way, you go backwards the whole way and you constantly can see the path where you should be going, but you just can't. So you keep going. And I got stuck at this part where you have to chain cloud walk across these, like, I don't know, it feels like 150 of those, like the purple floating ladies. I know what area you're talking about. That area drove me insane. Mm. I think I died 30 plus times before I finally just called it. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get past this. And there's, you can't get back to any teleport points. I'm just stuck there until I get past that. (laughs) I will say, I think that moment was probably the hardest traversal part that you actually have to play for the main game. There are some like hidden challenges where you go and collect these power seals. And some of those are crazy difficult. I was, I'm only like 11 away. There's like 48 and there's like 11 I was going to, I need to collect. But there's one. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to beat this, so I'm not going to bother going for these things anymore. Which kind of made me sad. But uh, some of them are, are very difficult. I feel like if you can't do it, like, I mean... <laughs> but I like that the Q guy, he always tells you, like, oh, you've died this many times. Oh, I've collected this much money because you keep dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think I, at one point I, I caught a count over 200 deaths, so... My, my final death count, I think, was like 278. See, mine were very late in the game, too, because yeah. I would just get to points where I'd just start getting so frustrated that I would just overrush things and just do a bunch of dumb stuff. And so that's part of it, too, is if you're like me, at least, not maybe not everyone's like this, if you're getting frustrated with the game, you're better off just walking away, at least for 10 minutes, even, because if you're doing it angry, it's just so much harder. <laughs> yeah, I started and stopped this game so much. I would play five minutes, and if I didn't like the section... I would just go back to it. Or like if you're hungry and you're like getting that irritability and you're just like, I can't right now. I can't. And you have to put the controller down. That happened to me a lot. And um, I know it's probably a little bit early, but I did want to mention too that while I was playing the game, Andrew saw this. He can confirm. Insane. Yeah. He's like, how do you keep finding all these bugs? And so I was playing and then all of a sudden my character went invisible. And so, yeah. yeah. And so I was able to beat the boss because they weren't, I was able to beat the boss because I wasn't taking any damage, and then I tried to leave, and it wouldn't let me progress further. I had to exit out, and then, I at that point, I was frustrated. I just had Andrew beat the boss, because I was like, I can't do this again. I don't know how she triggered it. This was during the boss fight against the Quill Queen, and yeah, Liz, somehow her character went invisible, but she could swing her sword, and you could see the sword, so she couldn't take damage, but she could hurt the boss. And then when she killed the boss, it still did the dialogue, it still did the story, but it also wouldn't let her progress to the next screen. But I, this game seemed 
so stable. I had no issues with glitches or anything like that. Liz somehow gets one. Well, maybe it's because I died so many times by that one <laughs> boss. Because the other bosses after her, like, I didn't really struggle with that much. But for some reason with her, like, I, I can't even count how many times I died. So maybe the game was just like, she can't do this. We, you really did get a job as, like, a video game tester. <laughs> you would fix so many bugs and, like, catch them for people. The problem is you need to be able to tell them how to reproduce them. That's true. And and there's no explanation other than just her hands on the controller, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, as far as, I don't know how much we really talked about it, but yeah, key essence to this game revolves around time travel effectively. So you're kind of going back and forth, and that's how you're changing the terrain, which effectively lets you travel between areas. But something that I thought was really cool graphically that I didn't even really notice until I read it and then I saw it is that when you go back and forth between the past and the present or the present and the future, it goes from 8-bit to 16-bit. You didn't realize that till you read it? <laughs> you didn't. The fidelity I thought was so obvious because I always hated when it went back to like the present time when it was 8-bit because I was like, ah, oh, this looks so much worse. But if you notice, the music is also 8-bit and 16-bit. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the future, the music actually has more, like, depth to it. Instead, like, when you're in the past, it's just, like, a couple notes that are playing for the music. But I loved that design of this. It really impressed me. Like, it just showed, like, a nice tension to detail. Yeah, and it made, it made the use of pixelization not feel as lazy. Yes. A lot of times it just feels like indie developers use it because, well, we're an indie game and we can get away with it. And I'll never complain. I'll still play the heck out of your game. But... <laughs> In, in this case, it it made it feel so much better. And, I mean, having having the 8-bit feel to it as the original start, especially when they really threw so much Ninja Gaiden at you, which was one of my all-time favorite games on Nintendo, because I could never beat it, but it was so much fun. It just reminded me of Mario. I just was waiting for the do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Wait, can I do that? Are we going to... No, I think you're fine. I think you did enough notes where it's okay. I think, it, I think it's considered parody. <laughs> Yeah, so I just kept waiting for that. I love the graphics. I thought it was really nice. See, Andrew, I don't know if you agree with me, but I thought all of the, a lot of the enemies, like they all had these like shells on their back, and I felt like they felt were like weird mutant versions of the Mario like shell enemies. See, I didn't get that vibe. I more got the vibe of more deformed Ninja Turtles. They definitely looked like that, but I felt like it was trying to like I don't know do this weird like twisted Mario. And because you had all the mushroom cap guys, you had the little um, plants that grow out of the ground. You didn't get the mushroom cactus cap guys until like later, though. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but like I said, the, the, the cactus things that would wiggle around, those were like from Mario. Everything just felt like very dark Mario. I didn't get too much of a vibe, but clearly Liz did. In which I think it's funny that you say that, Liz, because I noticed you kept trying to bounce on the enemies to damage them. <laughs> and that is not how you damage the enemies. You had to use your sword. I don't I was Hot doing tip. that a lot. And also, you also told me this game that I really just suck at flying enemies. You saw me <laughs> with like the, the skeleton eagle. And I just, for some reason in games like this, especially platforming games, I hate flying enemies. They're my least favorite. It is, it is so funny watching you because a lot majority of the flying enemies are super slow and they're dumb. They just kind of come at you at a straight line. It's a very lazy straight line. 
and you just like freak out and stand. Yeah, Yeah, and you like flail your sword and they just like lazily come up to you and bop you in the head and you take damage. (laughs) Like you always have such a hard time countering them. And it's always so funny to watch because it's like the slowest shark chase that you know is just going to end with Liz getting hit. I also do that thing where if I know like a projectile is going to be coming, I wait. So there's like a lot of waiting in the game or like one of the bugs that goes around. Instead of killing it, I just wait for it to go. <laughs> Please run away. So it is always a delight to watch you play though, Liz. Sometimes, after a while, it's gonna like, move. You can go now. It's clear. You can go. <laughs> but I know that is your biggest issue when it comes to like platforms like this. You also, your anxiety gets in the way and you freak out and you just start mashing buttons because you yep. forget the controls. <laughs> and that's why you're always so bad at the cloud step. That's why I don't stream, guys. <laughs> <laughs> feels entertaining. As Keith was saying with the graphics, another thing that I thought was really cool is the music. As we said, how the graphics go from 8-bit and 16-bit, so does the music as well. But I actually loved the soundtrack of this game. Just about any area I went to, I thought the music was really striking, it fit the environment really well, and it never got tedious. Even though it is a very basic soundtrack like that you would get from a Super Nintendo game, it never, it never was irritating to me. See, whenever I stop playing... That's when I realized that the music was kind of a bit much for me. Because I'd feel like a relief. I'd be like, oh, it's so... But I also want to say that this game, I don't know why, but it was so loud. Like, I had to turn my yes. TV all the way down. And then, Andrew, you also pointed out, I didn't get to this point. I believe, believe it was in the DLC. You were underwater, and you noticed the volume got quieter. No, it, it, that's in the main game as well. Oh. Well, yeah. I thought that was a, a cool feature as well. Yeah, the music sounds muffled. Yeah, I did notice that. <clears throat> I, um... But yeah, I I had switched over to another game after playing this, and I had to track my volume way up because I couldn't hear it, because same thing. I had turned it way, way down. Couldn't realize why. Yeah, it is a very loud game, I will say. I agree with that. But I do like the soundtrack. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was... Like you said, it, everything just seemed to fit, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was did such a good job creating a tone for the game. But yeah, so that is a big warning if you are planning to play this game. Make sure your volume's down, because this game starts with a cinematic, and that cinematic starts loud, because it starts with, like, thunder crashing, and it's just, it's kind of deafening. I know for me, it's like I put the baby down for a nap, and I, you know, turn it on, and all of a sudden it's super loud. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about, Keith, I don't know if you got to try it, But there is DLC for this game. And this is another reason why I love The Messenger is because the DLC is free. They even say it when you go to like select the DLC. There's a little orb in the the shopkeeper's shop and he says, oh, this is the DLC, but don't worry, it's free. And it opens up the Microsoft Store straight for you. And there it is. And I love the DLC. It was a really nice piece of content. It's not super long. I think it added maybe two to three hours of gameplay. But the great thing about the DLC was, one, it was really funny. Of course it was, because this whole game is funny. But the other thing I loved about it is that it added a ton of new mechanics. It ad- it first started with a mini game where you're basically doing a surfboard sequence and you're collecting things and smashing things. And then it comes with a boss fight at the end. Uh, and then later on, you do a boxing match, which is very reminiscent of Mike Tyson's like boxing that you had on Nintendo. What? It was yeah, that was the final boss fight, and you have yeah, it's first uh, three win, three round wins, wins the boss fight, and it was actually it was just a lot of fun. Do you have to beat the game to get it or to play it? No, I think you have to get about halfway because you have to meet certain characters. Like you have to meet the necromancer, 
you have to meet uh, the demon general. So I think like the, those are like the two main characters, and you obviously meet them by the time. So I didn't notice that I could activate the orb until I was kind of closer to the end, but I didn't beat the game when I was able to do it. But the DLC is well worth your time. It was a lot of fun. Which I like that I looked up the time to beat, because I was at 8 or 9 hours. I wasn't even halfway, and I said time to beat was 11 hours completionist 14 and a half hours so you're like saying oh like oh halfway i'm like i don't even i feel like it would take me forever to get there (laughs) yeah i ended the game at about 11 hours and like 15 minutes or so like i was a little shy of 12 hours and i think that was including the dlc but i noticed on some people were saying that it took them about like 20 hours it's this game is difficult but i didn't think it was any more i actually thought hollow knight was more difficult than this game because at least yeah. this game is a lot more forgiving with its deaths. As this was saying, when you die, you just can't collect money for a little bit. But the checkpoints are relatively forgiving, except on the cloud level that Keith was talking about. The checkpoints in that area were awful. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that part you were talking about, Keith, I remember it took like, it was a huge chunk until you got to the next checkpoint. But it at least made the boss fights a lot more forgiving. It wasn't super punishing if you died, so... I think this game is a lot more forgiving. And then another thing that I loved about the messenger is the achievements. Because you got so many of them. Yeah, the achievements are so many. very obtainable. There's a couple where, of course, collect all the power seals, collect all this thing. But majority of the achievements you are just getting by playing the game. Defeating a certain boss, learning a certain part of the story. There's a handful that are missable. As me and Keith were talking about with the shopkeeper, there's a couple times where you know the shopkeeper and he goes through this whole dialogue. You get achievement for doing that, but there's actually like two or three points where you annoy him enough where he does it and you get achievement for it. So some of those areas are a little bit missable, which is unfortunate. Because you'd have to play the whole game again, right? Correct. But there is a new game plus, so you could probably breeze through the game a bit faster when you beat the game. But yeah, overall, I thought the achievements were really solid. Which, Andrew, you got a 780 out of 1250 with 38 out of 48. Keith, 375, and you got 20 out of 48. And for me, typical platforming score, I'm I'm last. That's okay. 165, <laughs> 11 out of 48. I just, I suck at platformers. Yeah, that's commendable. I'm just glad I finally took my rightful place as second place. <laughs> my rightful spot as second place. But getting to our final thoughts, Keith, what did you think of The Messenger? Uh, so I went into this game with pretty high hopes. Like I said, when I watched the trailer, I immediately could tell there is some old school Nintendo Ninja Gaiden feel. They make jokes about it like right at the beginning of the game. So they let you know, hey, this is what we're playing with it. It's funny just start to finish. It's frustrating as heck sometimes, as I described, but it's still very beatable and it's not overly difficult. And I think it's really worth playing. And solid 84. But it's also not Ori, just again, for the record. (laughs) So as I said, I love this game. At first, I thought I was going to hate it. It just seemed like, because to me too, whenever you play old games, you forget how punishingly difficult they were. You always had a set number of lives. If you lost, game over. Your game's deleted. You have to start all over. So I thought this was just going to be one of those. It was just going to be frustrating. It was going to be difficult. But it was a lot of fun. It had so much charm. There was many moments where I was laughing out loud. I thought this, the writing in it was top-notch. This story I found really interesting. The combat was a lot of fun. One thing I forgot to touch on that kind of irritated me, when the game becomes more open, this game desperately needed a better fast travel. The fast travel in this game was awful. You basically got to teleport to a zone 
sort of some zones you couldn't teleport to and you would you were kind of rehashing and going past areas numerous times and that got a little frustrating but besides that that's kind of my only complaint i love the boss fights the music was fantastic the graphic and art style of the game i thought was really good the dlc was fun and it was free can't complain with that price i'm giving this game a solid 90. i think this is well worth your time if you're a fan of games from the yesteryears or if you're a really big fan of platformers such as Ori or Hollow Knight, you should check this out. For me, I'm going to give it an 83. I actually almost gave it an 84, but I was like, I think I liked it a bit less than Keith, so I'm going to do 83. <laughs> I, the stories, they just got me. Honestly, that's why I'm giving it such a high score. I love the graphics. I love the stories of the shopkeeper. Like, I just want to look them all up and read them all. <laughs> so, I know it's going to be hard for you. But if you didn't see my game and see those stories, what do you think you would have given the score? Because before we recorded this podcast, you're like, let me try refreshing playing this game. And you died like twice right away. You go, yep, I'm done with this. And you just stopped. So I felt like you were kind of burnt out with it. I'm kind of surprised you gave it that high rating. The reason I gave it the high rating, I think the gameplay is good. It's just not for me. Like I'm rating what I think it, it should be given. Like as a noob, that's what I think I should get. Because I, I feel like it's not the game's fault that I just suck at platformers. <laughs> like, or platforming games, whatever whatever you say. So for me, I just I think it's better than I can appreciate. So for me, I'm not going to knock it down too many points just because I can't understand the gameplay enough. That makes sense. Yeah. So looking at Metacritic, when I checked, there was only one from a critic. They gave it a 90 and said, There really aren't many negatives to The Messenger, but it certainly won't be for everyone. It is challenging and will take time to get through, depending on skill level, especially for completionists. So I looked at some of the other consoles, and on Switch someone wrote, You literally do nothing but jump and swing your sword. And someone who gave it a zero, gave it a zero because they hated the final boss fight. They thought it was too frustrating, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. Which, I didn't think the final boss fight was that bad. The hardest boss, for me, was the second boss in the DLC. It's a giant totem, and it was a very long fight, and I got very frustrated. Yeah, the final boss, you made it look easy. I'm assuming it actually is really hard. <laughs> I mean, not a two-man horn, but two-toot. <laughs> the fact that he got all the way through the game, and then was just stuck at the boss, and he was like, just a zero. He that is the boss fight that much. That is unfortunate. Like games that just get hindered by an awful final boss, like Quantum Break. The final boss of Quantum Break was atrocious. Oh, but that game was so good. It was, but that <laughs> final boss was so bad. We've been doing a lot of platforming games. I feel like. Well, it's because we have Keith on the podcast. I know. <laughs> Every week I find a new one. That should be the new the new intro, and it's mine. Where every three weeks we pick a new platformer. <laughs> but uh, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you all so much for joining us again. I have been your hardcore gamer host, Andrew. You can find me on Xbox Live at Firebird01952. I'm also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Firebird01952. If you want to write us an email, we are at gamepassgrabbag at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook. And if you do feel so inclined to support us, we do also have a PayPal set up on our Facebook. If you do feel so inclined to support us. Greatly appreciate you guys just checking us out and listening. And we always love you guys. I'm Keith. I've been a part of this podcast. <laughs> but who knows for how much longer? Wow. <laughs> There's something I don't know. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And I guess that's the other Keith's uh, outro. 
I was just Bye, thinking everybody. that quote. I'm quitting this band. I'm going solo. <laughs> what movie is that from? I don't know. Oh, I thought Flight that's right. the Concords? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, it was from I Know What You Did Last Summer. No, I still know what you did last One of them. It was one of those. I don't know. I'm Dean, <laughs> And I'm on Twitter at LizNoob. Noob is EW. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you all. Hope to see you again next week. Bye, guys. Good night and good luck.